All right, so we're talking about Jonah, Jonah chapter 3. Um, so we've read Jonah 1, we've read Jonah 2, we've never read Jonah 4, remember that? We've never read Jonah 4. And so we're going to kind of recap a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. Let's read that together. Uh, I'll turn there. I love what Paul tells Timothy here. This is one of the places where Scripture speaks very clearly about Scripture. 2 um, Timothy chapter 3, beginning in um, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as we know, the scriptures are wisdom literatures intended to train you for salvation, intended to train you to be prepared for every good work. The scriptures are call a call to us to listen to God. You hear in in different parts of the scripture that word listen. I think it occurs more than 250 times in the Bible. Like God wants us to listen. He's like, hear, O Israel, like hear what I'm saying, understand. And so even as we're looking through Jonah, we have to prepare our hearts to kind of listen to what the story is saying. And, you know, a lot of us understand that how the Old Testament and New Testament work. They don't tell you completely straight up what they're talking about. It's right in plain sight, but you have to look for it. You have to kind of dissect it. You have to wrestle with the word. All right. So the Old Testament is wisdom literature. And it's intended to bring you to salvation. It's intended to mature you. It's intended to point you to Jesus. All scripture, Jesus said this of himself in Luke 24, all scripture points to himself. Now, this is not the season that we're going to unpack that, but it's actually really cool that all scripture does point to him. But we're not going to unpack that here. You got the Internet. All right. So prophet, what is a prophet? They are the contents of the people. They mainly critique injustice and idolatry. And Jonah is a unique prophet. And so we remember that where the story began, it began in Jerusalem and Jonah fled to Tarshish and he hung out there. And then God got a fish, swallowed him and brought him back. It seems like to Nineveh. So that was the best ride he could have ever had. It was a three day ride. Okay, let's read Jonah chapter 3. We're going to read it silently, and then we're going to read it together.
All right, so we're going to read it collectively. Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself in sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herd or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Everyone, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways, their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion Turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he threatened. Okay, so we've been studying this for two weeks now. I want to just throw out some disclaimers. We don't need to understand all the scriptures today, Lord willing, you're going to continue to grow and mature in Christ. So it's okay if you're like, I'm not as familiar with certain things or certain things don't jump out to me. That's okay. It's a part of growing. It's a part of maturing. I hope 10 years from now when I'm reading Jonah, I find more, more treasure. And so it's a growing process. So do not feel intimidated. There is no such thing as any bad answers in here. If you give it, I'm just going to say, amen. How did you come to that conclusion? And even if it's a great answer. I'm going to say, amen. How did you come to that conclusion? So you won't know which one it is. Uh, but I want to encourage all of us that it's okay to be growing. So some things I may say that you may not be totally aware of, which is okay. You can ask the question, like, what does that even mean? No one's going to pick on you. If they do, we have Lincoln to stand up to the person <laughs> picking on you. Lincoln has built his entire life on standing up to people who pick on people in Bible classes. I actually don't know that, but I think he's the kind of guy who would do that. All right. (laughs) He said he'll try. All right. So what do we notice about Jonah chapter three? We know Jonah chapter one. He ran. Jonah two. He was in the fish. He said a prayer. He he got vomited. And now we're here. It's been an interesting couple of days for Jonah, right? What, What do we notice about Jonah chapter three? And again, we never read Jonah chapter four. This is the first time he's obeyed. Julian. Even though I'm pretty sure Jonah didn't forget the message from the Lord, he still told him a second time. Come on. Just in case it was forgotten. The Ninevites responded much, I guess, quicker or better uh, to God's word than Jonah did. Come on. What makes you say that? I'd say they they responded in in what looked like repentance from the path that they were headed. Gotcha. So in Jonah chapter 1, when he took off, the Ninevites heard it and they were like, we have a different response. Anything else that stands out to you about Jonah chapter three so far? Jonah said still very few words. Jonah is your favorite preacher, right? <laughs> five words. Come on. Yeah. Some of you guys pray that I only say five words. Lincoln. Yeah, it's, it's amazing the, the potential that God saw. I mean, Jonah was like, it seems like the worst prophet ever. 
Come on. I know. God saw potential there. I don't know where he saw potential, but he did. And, and, and just the incredible compassion. I mean, that's, yeah, it's like the Ninevites, Gentiles, were more godly than John. Yeah, so far in this story, it looks like. And that's a, that's a huge message to the Jews. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like so far in this story, the Gentiles are responding really well. Where Jonah is having his heart challenged, which is okay. It's good to happen. And again, the Ninevites were Israel's arch enemy at the time. Ken? Um, well, on the positive, I mean, he's actually pretty brave. Nineveh, it says these people were violent and evil. I mean, I don't know what that means, but... Like, Come on. Yeah, man. You know, we get scared to share our faith with a guy with all the tattoos and stuff like that. He went into the heart of the violence, man. Like, bring it. You're going to be destroyed. I'm out and walked away. All right. Should the reaction of Nineveh surprise us? Why? Fred has never seen an entire city or group repent. What were you going to say? The city was so big, there were so many, and so violent, so their reputation was just to not be receptive to something like that. Yeah. Anyone else? Was it surprising and why? Heather. I'm saying yes and no. No, because no one wants to be destroyed. So if you hear a message, Yeah, Lenny? Yeah, I was going to say that, uh, yeah, it's surprising because, number one, they weren't really, they didn't really believe in the God of Jonah in the first place. But then also, Jonah never even says that God was the one bringing the destruction. He just came in and said, yeah, you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. Who are you? <laughs> that, come on, man. We're, we're tracking on the same wavelength right now, Lenny. Yeah, biblically speaking, 40 days is like a season of transition. That's a good insight that you picked up on. Jules. Absolutely. That's an interesting, um, why should God listen to them? You know, one of the things that's interesting, too, that, that I find really surprising is how quickly they repented, right? Like, come on, man. If, I, if that was the answer to impact Portland, I would take those same five words and just say it. The city's going to be overthrown in five days. Or 40 days and walk away and then see the whole city transformed, that'd be fired up. They even got the animals to fast. <laughs> like, when was that time you, you got your animal not to eat? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. What sins did Jonah laid out before the Ninevites? Come on, ain't that the best kind of threat? You don't even know why the threat's coming. <laughs> I'm going to wreck you. Why? Don't worry about it. <laughs> you just walk away. That's the best kind of threat. He did not lay out any sins before the group. Why do you guys think? Knowing Jonah, he probably didn't care. Jonah may not have cared. Why do you say that? Because his attitude up until this point has been kind of not caring. But it just said he obeyed the word of the Lord. He got spit out of the fish. Is he really struggling, you think? Yeah? I haven't read John 4, so I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> so he, he could be struggling. What else could be going on? What's an alternative way of reading why he didn't mention what sins they were being held accountable for? Because God told him to deliver the message that he would give him. Deliver the message he would give him. Okay. Okay, that's a good point. So maybe God told him, just say these five words. Nothing more, nothing less. That could be it. Anyone else? Why did Jonah, Ellen? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. If you ever, there's been on a thin streak in your life, you know, if you had one of those seasons where you just like keep messing up and someone walks up to you, repent. You just, you're like, oh, man, yeah, you just start listening to all your own sin. Because yeah. you're like, I'm going through it. You're talking about the fact that I cursed this dude out. You're like, I didn't know what you did. I just knew you needed to repent. Like, it was that powerful. Fred. No, um, it doesn't say anything about this here, but if you look at every example of the Holy Spirit working, whenever God commanded people to do something, he sent his spirit into the hearts of people that were waiting to hear it. Mm. It's very possible God said, you go to Nineveh, you say these five things, or my Bible has eight, but um, you say these words, I'll take care of it. Mm. And that the Spirit may have moved, the Spirit may have moved through Nineveh uh, half a mile in front of him, just convicting people and saying, yeah, listen to this prophet. Mm -hmm. There you go, man. You see a man get spit out of a fish. I might listen to you, I might not. You know, how did you get in the fish in the first place? All right. <laughs> Irene and then lie. Yeah, he might still have been afraid to do, even though, you know, like he obeyed God. But, you know, for, in the first place, I think he, didn't, he was, could have been afraid of these violent, sinful people. So he didn't want to go and say, okay, you know, you've been murdering, you've been, you know, doing this, you've been adulterous, you've been, you know. I don't, maybe he didn't want to instigate their violence. Mm. Okay. Good stuff, Lai. 
Oh, you scratched. My bad. It always gets me. All right. Why does the king believe that God may relent? Like, what information does this king even have that God may relent? Because the king initiated this fast and all this other stuff. Jonah doesn't tell him to fast. Why do you think the king thinks God may change his mind? True, true, especially as um, you get closer to the desert area. Now think about how Jonah begins. Remember we said that instead of beginning the word of the Lord, it says, and the word of the Lord. You guys remember that? So this is connected to something else. This story is connected to something else, a larger story that's being told. So why does the king believe that God may relent? Sebastian. Yeah. So in the book of Joshua, there's a woman by the name of Rahab. She's a prostitute. She responds and helps these two spies spy out the land of Jericho. And in that interaction, she tells the two spies... Here's the reason why I'm helping you. Do anyone know why the reason she was helping them? The fear of God on everyone. Like, you know, she already knew that. She already what? She already knew that God had given uh, her city, that land, into the Israelites' hands, and she didn't want to be destroyed. So she heard about God. She heard about God. Is it likely that the king heard about who Jonah worships? I mean, he's getting ready, a generation later, they're going to take over the northern kingdom and send him into exile. So I'm almost certain he heard that this God is what? Yeah, that's what he says in chat right here in, in, in the prayer, verse 9, compassionate. The idea that God was compassionate is radically different than the way people view their gods in that time. Or that's Yeah, one of the things missing here from most ancient pagan religions is what? Well, not necessarily, but what, what do you do to appease the gods for most ancient pagan religions? They didn't, they didn't even know what to give God. They're like, let's just stop eating. Hopefully he'd be like, we're too hungry to die. We don't know what the reason is. But it's interesting that the king was aware of who God was. He probably knew. He knew the whole story. Who is this guy? What is, what's his story? Yeah, he probably did know what happened to Jonah. <laughs> the fisherman was like, hey, we threw this dude over. The storm went away. Spreading the good news about Jonah. <laughs> Imagine when he walked into the city, if the fishermen were in that actual town. We don't know if they're there, but if they're there, that's the dude that got swallowed. I'm telling you, that was him. <laughs> the, the fish swallowed that dude. <laughs> What type of fish? One day journey. It says Jonah went into the town on a one day's journey. What's off about that? Just before it says the city was three days journey across. Three days journey. And he went one day. 
What does that tell us about Jonah's obedience? Potentially. You said a third half-hearted. <laughs> a third-hearted. A third-hearted. Let's go. What else does that tell us about Jonah's obedience here? So there's a potential. He, he, caught, he probably could have picked the most populated area and said, I'm going to start here and they're going to spread the word. Or like um, Heather mentioned, he probably said, God didn't tell me I needed to tell everyone. I walk into the city one day. You know, you ever been on campus and you feel like I evangelized the entire campus, but you only were in one area? And you cranked it out that one area, but you, I didn't go through the whole thing. It could probably be like, <laughs> you feel like, I, I covered everybody else right here, man. <laughs> and all the other people on the other side of campus, you're like, I didn't see them, man. What, scripture seldomly tells, tells us certain details, unless they want us to make a connection here. They, they want, they, like, the, the, the Bible wants to call our attention to the reality that something else should have been happening here. And so I believe God, we should be a little suspicious of why he didn't cover the three-day journey. Why would the author put it was a three-day journey? If that was all he needed was one day, why would the author put it there? Because we haven't read chapter four. We have no idea yet. But it seems quite suspicious. Like, if there was a thorough desire for what God ultimately, we think, how he would respond, then he would have made sure everyone knew, right? At least that's what I think. That's what a, a, a prophet of, of God would have done for the people of Israel. That's what I think, at least. That's what we've seen, like um, Lincoln mentioned earlier. Okay. Let's go to the next. And this is, we're going to park here a little bit. The next two are going to take a little bit more time. Is Jonah a false prophet? Did what he prophesied come true? No. Because he said 40 days overturn, right? And it didn't happen. False prophet? Well, from what we see here, it says God saw what they did and how they turned from his evil way, and he did not bring the destruction on him. He threatened. So Jonah didn't get. I think it's a misconception that prophecy is foretelling the future. Come on, Fred. Prophecy is about proclaiming the word of God, taking taking the word of God and making it known. And so he was not he was not foretelling the future here. He was proclaiming to the people that they needed to change. Come on, Fred. Fired up, bro. <laughs> True. True stuff right there. But it's really important that we understand that <clears throat> sometimes we think God, what God says is written in stone. We're like, this is going to happen. This is going to be this way. We don't know what's going to happen in chapter four. It seems like the story should end right here, right? <clears throat> Why do we even need a chapter four? Yeah. Like, this is about as happy ending as it gets. Jonah repented. The city repented. He's not a false prophet. I think at least, because God relented. Can God change his mind? Let, why do you say no, Heather? Well, 
So in your opinion, Nineveh was going to be saved regardless of what Jonah did. He didn't even need to show up. God was going to work it out. Or was he, needed he needed to show up. But there was no circumstance in which what Jonah initially said was going to happen. There could have been. There could have been. So God can change his mind. No. <laughs> so there was no circumstance in which... Okay. So how about this, Heather? Chew that thought. I'll let Mark answer, but keep chewing on that thought. Well, I'm just going to add to that. Of, you know, God is about that time, so he already knows what the future is. So you know, he, he can be fixed in, in the sense that he knows that by sending this message, they will repent in this way. Uh, so he can already know that he is giving them grace, or could be giving them compassion in this way ahead of time. Um, but still, it being unfolding, as she's mentioning from their perspective, because they, they don't know what the future is. So it sounds like what you guys are saying, and you guys can correct me. God does not react to our desires, right? Like his our desires have already been fixed. So if I pray that, that if I pray God, let it rain. He already decided long before I even existed it was going to rain or not. So my actual desire for rain has no sway on God. Because he already desired, desired it one way or another. And I'm like super fixed in what I'm going to do. 
So I think yes, but with the fact that when he made that initial uh, decision way back in the beginning, he already knew what your desire would be. So it's already it's already taking into account your desires and everyone else's desires as well and responses and actions. So from the moment Stephen is alive at this point, everything's already been determined and he is just on the conveyor belt of life. Well, so you're talking about the... the I'm just asking. Yeah. 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 Free will versus determinism, but there's a you can still have free will um, as long as you don't know what the future is, right? Okay. Because since I don't know what the future is, I can make decisions. Okay. But because God already knows the decisions that I have made from His perspective, He can have laid it out in such a way that He knows what I will end up choosing. Okay. Okay, Lincoln. Looks like you have a thought on that. Uh, yeah, I just. We're going to solve it tonight, bro. <laughs> tonight, we're going to solve it. But, uh, but, I mean, like, the, but it's tough because Jesus, the parable of the persistent widow, right? I mean, Jesus, there's several verses in the Bible where apparently because of prayer or because of input from man, the Bible says God changed his mind. So what that means exactly and how you put all this together, I have no idea. <laughs> Chanel, Tim, and Jules. Deep stuff. Deep stuff. Tim, then Jules. So like two thoughts I have. Like the first one I can't help but think of is when Abraham is talking to God to not destroy. Like if there's not ten, if there's not fifty or fifty and then twenty five and ten and like even like one good person. And he's like, it is that did he change his mind or was it already determined? But that's a perfect example too of like someone intervening and like would he have destroyed the whole town? Or would he have saved one person if Abraham didn't intervene and say something? Mm. If Abraham stopped at 50, would he have killed everyone by 50? We don't, we'll never know that. Um, and then the other thought is like when God had the flood happen and he like was like, I'll never flood again. And is that like God admitting he made a mistake and is like acknowledging something? Then that's a whole other debate too because there's just so many, like, he won't do that again. Amen. Jules? Who, who he is 
Let me get a volunteer to read. Good, good thought, love. Um, volunteer to read First Samuel twenty-three. I can do that. Beginning in verse seven to verse twelve, seven through twelve. First Samuel twenty-three, verse seven through twelve. Saul was told that David had gone to Kiliah and had said, God has delivered him into my hands, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for the battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the effort. David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down, as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will. And David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. Okay, and then so David does the opposite. If David went to the city after God said that they will turn him in would he have gotten turned in david was given an option here where god knew he he knew if you go here they're going to turn you in so david did this and and chose another option does that make sense guys and so this is a this is an interesting situation i think at times it could be very terrifying to realize that we have a god that responds to us and so the million dollar question is does god change his mind I think Jewel said it, or someone said it, it's a yes and no, right? God does not and will never change his mind on his purposes. His purposes is manifested in Jesus. God will and has shown through, I could go through a whole bunch of other examples to scripture where if a heart is changed, he's like, I won't do what I said I was going to do. I will pivot in the decision that I was going to do. But it's all predicated on whether or not we will pivot. Does that make sense? And so it's really tough because, again, it feels... It feels almost like, but are you saying God doesn't know we're going to change or not? To answer, from what I've studied, and maybe I changed five years from today, and I'm open to you guys even sharing your perspectives as well. But from what I've studied, God has an infinite number of options in front of him, and he is infinitely aware of each one of these options, and we can choose whichever one, and he'll respond accordingly to each one of these options. So he's like, you go here, that's going to happen. You do this, that's going to happen. You speed, this is going to happen. I'm totally, you don't speed, this is going to happen. I'm 100% aware of every single scenario you could take, but I'm not tampering with your will in choosing any of them. Does that make sense? So that's what I've studied the last couple of years. Again, five years from now, or maybe after Mark is done talking, I might be like, all right, Mark, you sound like you got the winner right now. But Lincoln. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think one of the Prayer is like really, really powerful. And, and you know, if if everything is prearranged, then all of a sudden, you know, prayer doesn't become meaningful. It, it takes away from meaningfulness of prayer. So, um, yeah. Yeah, or grieving and all that. It, it takes it takes a unique look if if you believe in the most classical predestination 
model. If you believe in that one, it takes the meaning for, it takes it takes the meaning out of life for me at least. If you believe in the most classical form, Fred. Yeah. He just says, the guy says, I know I owe like 50 lifetimes worth of salary, but please forgive me. And the king goes, okay. Yeah, he responded. When he sees the guy is not responding appropriately, he changes his mind and throws him back in prison. Yeah. Good point. If if God is not capable of changing his mind about, then there is no such thing as compassion. Hmm. Because compassion is, we see a situation and our mind is changed because of it. Amen. And I think God has, so I think the nature of God doesn't change. That, that he's, not, he's not a whimsical God like the Greek gods who just say, oh, today I'm going to cause trouble for mankind. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to be, we're going to be nice to them. It's, his nature is the same, but he changes in response to us. Nice. Good stuff. Okay, Tim, you, you want to add to that, Mark? After Tim. So I don't know if there's any Marvel fans in here or not. Come on, the whole, the whole church. Can be Marvel Comics, movie, a movie. Uh, but lately in the Marvel Universe, new TV shows and movies and stuff, I've been talking about School us. timelines. Nice. And multiverses and like for every decision that you make, there's another universe where Come on. a branch timeline happens because you make a different choice. Theologian Conley. Um, I'm a nerd, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's, there's this show called What If, and there's a guy who's called a watcher, and he can look, he's on the outside, he can look at multiple universes based on different decisions that were made. And so... But it's, he can't intervene. That's his whole thing. And so talking about like our predetermined pathways, like this guy can see all timelines, all possible outcomes, but he doesn't intervene. And so that's where, among many other differences, uh, <laughs> he's not like God because God chooses to like be present regardless of what decisions are made. So I don't know if that helps anyone, but it's really <laughs> When do you get to share that? To like how Marvel comics are, and then at the same time, like how it's not, and how it's actually more real than that. And how Lincoln said prayer is powerful, and like um, any form of contact and communication with God is an essential form of prayer. Yeah, and I think even circle back. Let's just say hypothetically, you're you're fully persuaded in your opinion on this situation or your thoughts on this situation. We could still be in deep covenant so long as we believe Jesus rose from the dead. We could be in great fellowship with one another so long as we believe Jesus rose from the dead and that he's seated at the right hand of the Father and that he's going to come and judge the living and the dead. You believe that? We could still be in fellowship even if you're like, man, you know what? I think the world was created in three days, not fixed. You're like, wow, there you go, man. You cut three days off or whatever, dude. (laughs) But to circle our way back to Jonah... That was a long detour, guys. We went for a walk together. Uh, to circle our way back to Jonah, God's response to the Ninevites was powerful. His response to them. Jonah did not give them much hint on how to respond. Like Fred said, maybe the Holy Spirit was working in conjunction with what Jonah mentioned. 
But from what we read right here, without knowing that to be the case, God responds to their best effort. And they threw out some sin. Like um, someone mentioned earlier, they threw out like, hey, we, I know we violent. I know we're wicked. Whatever wicked covers. And they threw out some sin and they're like, let's hope we change and hope God could respond. Who's missing after his preaching? Jonah, where is he? <laughs> Jonah, Jonah, I never read chapter four, so I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but Jonah's missing. He's totally missing. Why do you guys think he's not in the thick of this, of this amazing transformation, this group of people fasting? What, you never read chapter four. What do you mean he doesn't like them? Well, we don't know yet. We just know he ran. Well, we don't know why he ran because we never read chapter four. He did. This is the capital of Assyria. There's challenges, but we don't know for a fact, right? Like. They're Gentiles. But we got we to gotta give Jonah his day in court. Now, the only way we would know what he was feeling is if we read chapter four. But that's in the future. And we can't see the future. Only God can. <laughs> he can see all the multi-potential futures out there. We know he wasn't involved. <laughs> that's it. Jewels, then lie. Potentially lie. Um, so I've been, uh, I'm reading out of the old NIV, and I think you are reading out of the newer NIV. Mm-hmm. And it, the wording about the like three days and the first day is different enough that I was kind of confused by what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And so in the old NIV, it says um, the visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. So the way I read that is like he was just, he just got started in the city. Like, I don't. Mm. You know, maybe he, I don't know, he didn't make it to the king, like the news got in front of him. I don't know, but that's the last time it says anything on Jonah, that he started into the city. And But now it's different. There, I'm sure they had good reason why they updated the translation. Um, but that just makes me think, like, oh, he just didn't get very far. He, said <laughs> he got and fired up and it took off? I don't know. I don't, but, um, There's a potential for that. The, word, the, the message went ahead of him and he didn't have to go any farther. There's a huge potential for that. Now, I think chapter four is going to sew this whole story up and, I, and we'll be able to kind of get an answer to a lot of the questions we've been asking. Once we kind of see chapter four, we're going to have practicals. We're going to see Jesus prayerfully in chapter four. But as of right now, he could have just been starting a day journey. Now, I will say this in the most humble way, because I never translated Hebrew in my entire life. I look at it and I just and say, I, I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm trusting you, Hebrew scholar, to tell me what I'm looking at. However, there's a, a Bible translation that came out in the mid-90s, the NLT. Do you guys know what that is? New Living Translation. It's been revised. 
Uh, one thing I found out about that translation, which is always interesting, the translators had a, a perception of God, God's people, and theology that they allowed that to dictate their translations. And so even when we're reading scripture, like I did, let's read multiple translations because it's almost inevitable for any of us who are reading scripture that we're not going to have some bias or some preconceived understanding of what the scriptures say. Does that make sense? And so I want to say, read multiple scriptures. Read the 1984 NIV, even though we don't know where it's at anymore. Lie is the only one with a 1984 NIV. Who else has one? Come on, man. Come on. They don't. They they want to they want to be fishers of men and not fishers of people. They 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 want to be fishers of men. It's good enough for the apostles. <laughs> they don't like brothers and sisters. They're just like brothers. <laughs> All right. Um, we're gonna bring it to a close right here, and so let's just land on. Maybe God doesn't change his mind. Maybe God does change his mind. Maybe. But it's all going to make sense in chapter four once we read that. And so chapter four is going to be next week. We're going to see Jesus. We're going to talk practicals. We're going to see how this wisdom literature will help us be wise for salvation. So we are done tonight, guys.